ראש חודש טוב. This is Rabbi Albaz from SLC. I'm going to speak mostly about Hanukkah. You know, when it comes to Hanukkah, I'm sure you've heard a lot of uh, speeches from your rabbis, and they basically they speak about two miracles, the miracle of the oil and the miracle of the war. The miracle of the oil, we all know, when the Hashemunayim came into the temple, the Beit HaMikdash, and they found only one jug of oil where the stamp of the Kohen Gadol that was pure, it was not Tameh, and the, uh, it was supposed to be for one night, and it lasted for eight nights. That's the miracle of the oil. There's also the miracle of the war, after all. We're talking about uh, uh, five brothers and, and a father who died a year later, and, and, and they were able to fight battle after battle until they chased out the Greeks. We're talking about not just a, a, a small nation degree. There was a, 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 a huge empire. And they were able to chase them out. That's a miracle. Perhaps even it's a greater miracle. Yeah? And, and uh, what happened then? It was a greater miracle, but when it comes to making a beracha, what do we make the beracha on? We make the beracha on the lighting of the candle. The lighting of the candle symbolizes, right? It symbolizes what? The fact that there was a miracle of the oil. Well, why don't we make a beracha on the fact that they won the war? Don't you think that's a very important beracha to make? After all, it was, it, was, it was a huge miracle. But we don't. We don't make a beracha on the miracle of the war, only on the miracle of the oil. Why is that? Well, you know, uh, the, uh, when we talk about this, we, we see something very interesting here. The Gemara Berachot says, if a person passes by a certain place where Hashem performed the miracle to our ancestors, you should recite a blessing. Baruch Blessed be HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who performed the miracle uh, to our ancestors in this spot. And of course, the Gemara gives examples. For example, the Red Sea. If you pass by the Red Sea at the spot where the Bnei Yisrael crossed the sea, and uh, being that Kadosh Baruch Hu split the sea and they went on dry land, that is a very big miracle. If we pass by that, we're supposed to say, Baruch Shasa Nisim Lavotenu Bamakumazeh. Or, for example, if you pass by Yericho or the walls of Yericho, and you know the walls of Yericho, you know what happened with Yeshua when they wanted to go inside Yericho to fight them, and 
instead of uh, breaching the wall themselves, they had to go around it every day, then seven times the seventh, the seventh day, and then all of a sudden the, all the walls collapsed. A miracle. I give another example again with the splitting of the Jordan River. Now, what all these miracles have in common? We make a, we're supposed to make that beracha, but they have one thing in common. They are miracles that are unnatural. They're not natural. It's something which is beyond the teva. After all, no one can possibly just go around the uh, walls and then after that, the walls collapse. Only Akash Rao can do that. Who can just split the sea? Oh, I can do that. So we make a baracha on something that is unnatural. This is perhaps why the Hachamim instituted the baracha on the miracle of the Oya, because that is something that is not natural. It is not the teva of oil that supposed to last for one night to last for eight nights. It's just not this. It's, it's, it's against teva. You you and I know I can replicate such a thing. A war, winning the war, and maybe a chance in a million but there is that chance. It's possible. Look at Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik was a slave, a prisoner in a dungeon, right? And he rose to become the viceroy of Egypt. What are the chances of a person who's a slave, who's in prison? What are his chances to become the viceroy of Egypt? Very one in a million, one in ten million. But it could happen. And it did. It happened. And there's a Midrash that says that when Yosef at Sadiq was coming back from Egypt with the coffin of his father, with his whole entourage, going to Eris Israel to bury his father, he made a roundabout turn. And he stopped by the pit where he was thrown by his brothers. And he said, Baruch Asali Nesma Makomaze. He made the Baracha. There was a nest there for him. The question is why he made the Baracha for that one, but he did not make a Baracha for the fact, for the miracle that he was a slave. And he became the viceroy of Egypt. That's a miracle too. The, the answer is the miracle of the pit was unnatural. There was no water in the pit. But the Midrash says what happened there. There was snakes and scorpions. The nature of a snake and a scorpion is to bite. But they didn't bite him. That was against nature. Something that is unnatural. This is why we made the Baracha on that. And this is why we make the Baracha on the oil. Because that was something that was unnatural. Rabutai, perhaps there's another 
uh, moral, perhaps, reason. Uh, look, we are a peaceful nation. We are supposed to be a model nation. Mamlechet Kohanim Vigoy Kadosh. Lights. I can celebrate the, the oil with lights. Now, how are you going to celebrate the war? What do you, what, what, what thing can it, would be something symbolic for the war? Okay, candles are symbolic for the lights. Now you would say, well, you know what? Perhaps we should have a hang on the wall some uh, swords and uh, arrows and and maybe make a baracha on that. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Light represents life joy and happiness peace we are a peaceful nation that's something that we should really uh, adhere to we want to embrace things that are joyful things that show what we are we are a nation of ethics and morals that's the, that's the lights on the other hand swords and arrows are different those represent death. They represent sadness and darkness. We are not that kind of people. We are people of the light. We are supposed to show ourselves as model nations to other. That's that's what we are. To make Kiddush Hashem. That's what light symbolizes. Kiddush Hashem. I heard once a, a little uh, uh, incident about Rabbi Yaakov Kamenitsky, Shalom, great man, a gadol, gadol adol. And during the summer, there is a certain time where usually the Ashkenazim, between, I think, Tisha B'Av and Rosh Chodesh Elul, uh, they go, you know, they go to the mountains so he was in a hotel, and his son calls. We're talking about years back. There was no cell phone. You couldn't have, couldn't have a direct call. So he calls the front desk, and he asks to be connected to Rabbi Kamenetsky. So this lady who was there, uh, an African-American woman, she says to him, who's calling? He says, this is his son. Oh, you are his son? Oh, your father is such a God, such a nice man. Oh, he's such a kind man. Now, this is just a teller. He says, why? He says, every morning when he passes by, he always says to me, good morning, good morning. He's such a kind person. We're talking about great holy man. And it doesn't matter. He would say good morning to somebody like that. This is what we are. We're supposed to show Kiddush Hashem. I don't know if you heard about the, that story of, uh, by Mr. Werdiger. Mr. Werdiger, who's a uh, chairman of uh, uh, the Aguda Israel of America, but he's also a wealthy man. He has this uh, uh, big uh, company there. 
And there was this uh, South Korean girl that came and uh, she, fit, she, she fit the job and she was hired. And she was, she was there for, you know, a while. One day, the, uh, the South, South Korea ambassador to the United Nations, he calls Mr. Wurdegger and says, I would like to, to see you. He says, what about? You know, you know what he's talking about. What about? No, I'll I'll tell you when I'm there. So he comes in. Uh, I know Mr. Worley doesn't know anything about what the reason he's there. He says, you know, my daughter is working here. And my daughter was telling me about your place. He says, I can hardly believe it. She tells me every day, at 1.30 exactly in the afternoon, all the men, they go to a special place, a special room, and they pray together. What a beautiful thing, a nice and calm way. Uh, she tells me that on Friday, Friday afternoon, a certain time, everyone leaves. Whether they're Jews or not Jews, everyone takes off. For the Shabbat, for the uh, Sabbath, which is a holy day for you, and uh, she, you know, the all kinds of little things she says. She tells me that uh, many, many people come to ask, you know, for charity for very different causes, and every time they go out with a check and a nice way, they're treated with respect, and most of all, my daughter was treated with the most and the utmost respect. So he takes out a check. And this guy is, of course, a very wealthy man. And he says to Mr. Werdiger, you know, I know my daughter was working for whatever, year, whatever. And want, I want to reimburse all the earnings that she got. From, I want to reimburse you. And he says, no, no, no way. Will never accept such a thing. She worked, she earned her salary, she keeps it. And he says to him, Let me tell you something. He says, After my daughter told me about these things, he says, I have a the right to vote at the United Nations. And on three occasions I abstained and the resolution against Israel was not passed. That's Kiddush Hashem. That's Kiddush. We are a nation of lights, a nation of peace, a model. Show other people what it is. There's one more thing I would like to, to mention, and it's the following. We always hear about the miracle of the oil, the miracle uh, of the war, but there's another miracle that really happened, which no one knows about. Oh, well... You may know about it, but certainly not emphasized enough. Or if you take a good history book, you'll see that it is emphasized in detail. Why no one talks about the miracle of the restoration of the oral law? What does that mean? Now, we know in our religion we have two Torot, Torah Shebikhtav, 
התורה שבעל פה. תורה שבכתב איזה ספר תורה. תורה שבעל פה, that is the oral law that Hashem told משה רבנו. Orally, explaining every single mitzvah, amplifying and expounding on it. And that went from there to Yeshua, the Zekinim, ta-ta-ta, all the way down to the days of the Gemara, and the Gemara, they wrote it down. The Gemara is our Torah Shebe'al Peh. Torah Shebe'al Peh, without Torah Shebe'al Peh, it's not good enough. No, not good enough. If I didn't have the Gemara, and all I had is the Sefer Torah, and I read, what's the Mitzvah of Tefillin? והיו לאות על ידיך, ותותפות בין עיניך. That's it. Something that's going to be a sign on your arm and on your head. What is it? What is that something? Does it, is it a box? Is it round? Is it black? White? Does it have anything inside it? And what's inside it? That's the Torah. It doesn't tell us that. It's all in, in, in the, the Gemara. The Torah doesn't enumerate the 39 melachot on Shabbat? Doesn't. The oral law tells us that. It's very important. So we had actually, uh, the, the oral law was being challenged and threatened from two fronts at the time of the Hanukkah story. From the Tzadukim and from the Hellenists. The Tzadukim were a, a, a group of Jews, and I must say, fairly large. And the Tzadukim were not just plain people. They were mostly uh, from the wealthy people who had clout and had power. Uh, and and they, they were uh, with the government. Uh, uh, they, 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 they were, you know, really respected by the, the, Greek, uh, uh, the Greek government. It's odd. And they were against the oral law because the Tzadukim did not believe in the oral law. They only believed what? In, in the Torah uh, Shebikhtav. Only the letter of the law. What does that mean, the letter of the law? That means there's no Hanukkah. It doesn't say anything in, in the Sefer Torah about Hanukkah. It doesn't mention it. There's no Hanukkah. What's Hanukkah? Hanukkah holiday? Never heard of it. The Hachamin? Oh, we don't believe in the Hachamin. We believe only when it's written down. Uh, Shabbat. No. The Torah says, Don't light. Fire on Shabbat. A couple of things, that's it. That's not our religion. And they were getting thousands and thousands of people that were on their side. This is what it is. It's amazing. That was a tremendous threat against the oral law. But there was another threat. And it's from the Hellenists. I had to realize what's happened there. Uh, Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah happened like maybe couple, uh, 150 years at least, after the Greeks then uh, conquered the Persian Empire. Before the Greeks, there was a Persian Empire. Then you had Alexander the Great from Macedonia who came with his army, and they defeated the Persians. 
And they, they took all the land. A huge amount of land. And, of course, uh, Judea at the time was part of that, so it went under the Greeks. When Alexander died, he was a young man at the time, perhaps 33 or so. So there were the two big generals divided the land. And there was those Greeks from with from Egypt and and the east side, and the uh, the west side, and the Syrian, the they call the uh, Seleucids, who took everything from the east. So initially, uh, Judea fell under the what we call the Ptolemies, Talmai Melech, as the Gemara says, and they were more or less tolerant. They did not bother the Jews. They did not make any Gezerot. But because they were tolerant, we're talking about a, a significant amount of time. They may have been tolerant towards the religion, but they were pushing with persuasion, with e economic uh, benefits. Oh, if you follow us, you can be a government official, you can make a lot of money, you can have a good salary, good job, good positions. Little by little, it took. And it, they, were, they, they had this, we, we want all our, all our land, whoever lives here, they should have one culture, one language, one thing, everything is exactly the same. They didn't want well, this land has this religion, this, that. They don't want that. Of course, the Jews will not accept that. We can't accept something like that. So, still, there were many Jews where little by little, they started to uh, adopt the Greek culture, literature, and they had gymnasiums, we had competitions, with, with, with men that were competing, uh, you know, with no clothes on and so on and so forth. This is all against the basic rules of our religion. But they were slowly and surely more and more Jews adopting that. That was a threat also. It was a threat to the, the entire religion period. Just think for a minute. If the Hashmonaim had not come into the picture. I have a powerful, uh, huge group of Sadukim that were against our religion. I have a large group of Hellenists who also were adopting the Greek religion. If everything had stayed the same, I don't know what would have happened. If the Hashmon did not come, Baruch Hashem HaKadosh Baruch brought them in. The Hashmonaim fought valiantly and brilliantly for the cause of the oral law, for the cause of Torah Shebikhtav. They restored the Torah Shebikhtav. Yeah. Baruch Hashem, they came into the picture. Could have been really a horrible thing if that thing just continued there was no uh, no Hashmonaim and no Gezerot no nothing 
and this kept on with persuasion, economic growth, and all that, all that, who knows what would have happened at the end. Slowly and slowly, the Jewish religion will, will diminish. That was the miracle of the oral law. That's also a miracle. The Hashmonaim, aside from physically restoring the independence of the Jewish nation, they also spiritually restored the, our religion back to what it was before. And this is one thing that also we should really celebrate, should be happy about, because without that, it could have been, who knows, a big disaster. Baruch Hashem, that the, the Torah stayed. Torah Shebikhtab and Torah Shebalpe, both of them stayed until today. Here are some that we should always keep the Torah, both Shebikhtab, Shebalpe, should always do the Misfod, fulfill them properly. And we as that Hashem, we all do that. We'll be Zochet, to be at Mishyahinu Amen. I uh, want to conclude by just saying that please, uh, if you can help this station to keep up, try to do your best to help. And if you have any simha, you can contact our SLC office of a beautiful hall that will accommodate any simha that you have, whether a wedding or bar mitzvah or, uh, you know, brit milah, engagement, will be able to accommodate you. So, Shabbat Tov, Rosh Chodesh Tov, Hanukkah Sameach.